Thanks for tuning in to the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suju Organic, where we inspire, educate, and provide advice and insights around those who are in the sports business and entertainment industry. Please follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at Life in the Front Office. And don't forget to follow and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Lastly, get your 15% off Suja at sujaorganic.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O, and enjoy today's episode. Welcome to the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Excited for my guest today and Rob Thompson, founder of the 5% Club. We're going to get into Rob's background, his journey, his story, and what the 5% Club is. Uh, I guess I'm proud to be part of the 5% Club uh, as Rob and I have chatted. But uh, Rob, nonetheless, just excited to get into everything around being a former student athlete and the community that surrounds it. Yeah. Welcome to the 5% club, right? We earned it. That's right. Uh, one way or another, we're all, you know, we're all part of it uh, as former student athletes. And um, I guess just starting there, get, get into what is the 5% club? Where'd the idea come from? How'd you get it started? Uh, you know, having been uh, working in the sports industry, Disney, et cetera, um, where'd you come up with it? Well, it really started back in 91, and I didn't even know the statistics at the time when I started a recruiting agency. It was a high school recruiting agency as I was a college coach. I didn't like the day-to-day grind and the lack of money that you made and uncertainty of being a college coach, but what I did like was the recruiting process, and I just remember going through that process and helping out um, high school athletes and parents make that really critical uh, decision, you know? biggest one of the biggest decisions and probably the first big decision they're going to make in their life of where they go to college and then who do they marry and all that other good stuff right so um so I was always kind of in that hey you know how unique and uh unique it is and it's such an honor and a blessing to be able to play college athletics and it's not for everybody right so that's that was my message you know 30 something years ago and now, fast forward, I'm in college athletics at my alma mater, and you know, you, we're dealing with a lot of parents and kids, and you're dealing with everybody's looking for, quote unquote, you know, the, the, that, that smoke screen of what we call in higher ed scholarships, but it's really a discount and a rebate, just like you're buying a car on tuition. And you kind of get to the point with them of saying, do you know that there's 8 million high school athletes out there in all sports? but there's less than a half a million roster spots and even more, there's even less now with, with the COVID COVID year kids with those other two kids, that are, you know, two years that they're continuing on. Um, and just being involved as a college athlete, regardless of what level you play at, it's, it's an honor and a blessing and you earn something that's unique. So it was uh, that's, that was the start of it. And that was the core of it. And then a crazy video, it wasn't crazy. It was crazy maybe to me, cause I can't believe it went viral. And I was just answering a question from a friend of mine about, you know, how many kids actually play college athletics? I said, okay, matter of fact, I just saw this report that the NCAA play put out. And on average, it's not it's not every sport, but on average, it's five percent. Five percent go from high school to college. So get over Division One, get over Division. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it doesn't. You know, as long as you play and you're able to kind of get to that level, you earn a roster spot then you're such a unique elite class, uh, regardless of age, sport, school, it doesn't, it does not matter. We're all connected because we're able to do it. 
and the whole idea of the five percent club it's not exclusive but it's it's the idea that there's five percent of those athletes who make it to college they have a specific type of experience they know the grind they know the work they know uh, what it takes to ultimately go through that experience failure or success right one way or another uh, combination of both and when you think back to your experience and how it's even changed and evolved, as you talk to other people, though, it's like, yes, it has changed and evolved, but there's also a lot of foundational things that are very similar across the board. And when you think about the experience as a whole, to your point, division one, two, three, whatever it is, um, it ends up just being somewhat the scale of how many people are in attendance or, or whatever the case might be there. Uh, what are some of the common denominators as you talk to other former student athletes? Because I would I would imagine, you know, a lot of it's like, hey, I remember the camaraderie, right? I remember the team building. Like those are the things that they're always going to point to, not this specific game and this play, right? Because you're you, you're just so used to having a schedule, being told where to go, what to do, and being surrounded by other people that are like-minded and going for that same goal. That's not the reality in the real world, right? In business, it's just not. And everybody has different agendas, but a good coach and a good leader can pull everybody together within that agenda, especially in sports and business is a little bit harder sometimes. Um, but what I find is to be able to take direction and be coachable, right? And understanding if you have a loss today, you don't get emotional about it because that's why there's a Monday, <laughs> right? And that's why you get to get up and get after it again. And you learn that in business. You may not get a sales, a close, or a promotion, um, but your your brain is kind of it's like armor, you know. You're and it's a muscle too. You kind of work that muscle a little bit of okay. I've seen this pitch. I've seen this movie before. You know, we work through. We start off zero and five, you know, in the beginning of the season. But guess what? We had a nice string of wins and we got into the playoffs. Same thing with business. You may start off zero and five in your month goals. And after a while, if you still plug and plug, you got to get up and keep going. And I know it's a cliche, but unless you have done it and you've seen that movie play out. So that's a big part of it. The other is, is coaches change, right? They, they, they made nice. I had three head coaches in college. And what it, what it taught me to do was realizing when you have a coach that you really, really like, right? And they leave. Same thing with the boss. Ah, oh, God, I have the boss that just, I love this. Then they get promoted. They leave. They go to another team. They go to another business. And you got to start over again. You got to prove yourself over again, right? And it, and, and when you play sports, especially college, um, you'll learn that lesson. So I think that it's very hard to be able to explain in a LinkedIn profile or a resume the transferable business skills, what you've learned as a college athlete that carries over into business. And the majority of the time, and which is really, which really, really stinks, is the majority of the time, the majority of the people, a good majority of the people in talent acquisition HR, they, they could care less, right? The majority of, although they know that they want student athletes, but you, you can't really put it in a resume because it just seems a little bit off. However, the 5% club, what we, what we see happening is that becomes a validation of assumed business skills that you've earned and you've created um, with, through the foundation of being a college athlete. 
So it's almost like it's an easier, more comfortable way of saying, I earned this, right? I just, this was my internship, right? Was getting up at five and going to wait room. And, and these are the foundations and characteristics that you want in an employee or a part business partner um, that I've already built those skill sets already. And I'm in that 5% club. And if that 5% club equates to that foundation that I want as an employee, as an employer that I want to recruit and hire, then that to me is, is the validation that you want within your LinkedIn profile and on your resume because it's more comfortable and you don't seem like you're bragging because most people don't care whether you played sports or not. Yeah, no people. Yeah, people definitely don't necessarily care. And then when you're the person who's constantly telling war stories from those days, they don't, they really don't care. No. Uh, but look, when you, when you think about what someone has to go through in the transition from being student athlete to them professional, and you're talking about, Hey, you're around a bunch of like-minded people as an athlete, and then you get into the working world and it's not like that. But then to your point on the hiring front, if you're a former student athlete, how do you go hire other former student athletes to have similar like-minded people around you? And it's not that they think like you in the business sense, they think like you in the skill set, the work ethic, all that sort of stuff. So you still have a diverse set of probably experiences or background or thought. Uh, you just have a similar mindset on how you go to work, how you approach things. Yeah, I mean, there's... There's an old saying that I that a mentor of mine used to used to use all the time when he was dealing with me at that time I was in my young early 20s and just kind of coming up and and I was we were I was working for the NFL at the time and he was an old retired coach and he used to say and he was from uh, West Virginia so he had all these great sayings but his one favorite saying to me was you can no more do what you don't know to come back from where you ain't never been and basically say you don't know what you don't know right and, and, and you if you've never been through it before what do you know and I would say the same thing with anybody who's making that transition into business and people who are kind of taking those those uh, former student athletes under the wing you know you have a foundation there you know the kid's going to be gritty you know the kid's going to you know they're, they're going to work the tail off but you know that they need direction and leadership right and and um, and they don't know any, and they don't know what they don't know um, to, to kind of make that transition. But the key thing uh, through that transition is reimagining yourself and reinventing yourself and being able to separate yourself from that world that you lived as an athlete and never using that as defining who you are. The defining who you are is, is as a person, as your character. You know, you're it, just just your high character qualities of being a solid human being. Um, and if that translates from being an athlete who you had a lot of responsibility into the business side of it, um, I, I think that's the best piece of it. But I find that the hardest part for most college athletes that could extend into their relationships with their with their significant others, with their kids um, and later on in life, especially in business, I know I struggled with it earlier on as well, but I also started my first business when I was transitioning. So that was kind of an eye opener. Um, but it's that redefining who they are, finding another purpose, and it may not be with their current job, right? It may, it may not be that job or that career that you're doing that you're actually redefining who you are. 
Um, I know a lot of people in the sports industry, they use that, that business card with that cool logo on it, defining who they are. Right. And you're not defined just because you work for the NFL or major league baseball. Right. And that, that doesn't find who you are as a person. Right. So I, I, I just think, I, I think it's a, it's an easy transition to go from being an athlete into a coach into the sports industry, because you, you haven't really left that, that part of your life, but going to the other parts of the industry and but other parts of, of the business world and not be connected to sports at all. That's where it gets really mucky for a lot of people. Well, yeah. in the transition too, like you may not be around any former student athletes. Right. There, there's a chance, right? I mean, and then all of a sudden it's, you're, you're like, Oh, I'm, I don't have a similar background to anybody else. I didn't go here or I wasn't a part of this group. And you have to think about what your point, the identity is uh, within that space. You can get lost pretty quickly. So when you think about not allowing yourself to get so hung up on the identity component, but yet it is a big part of your life, right? And it's a, and it's an, it's a huge part of your life when you're going through the experience too. I mean, every student athlete walks around with their backpack, like they've got the right, like it's, it's just a thing that is how it is for, for 99%, right? Everybody, when they introduce themselves, they are an X player, whatever you name the sport at what X, you know, X school, right? There's nothing else that they're necessarily describing themselves uh, with. So when you go into that professional world, what are some things that you give advice to people on how to separate that identity? I think if you latch on um, to areas that you're really, really good at. Um, so whether that's digital media, whether that's sales or marketing, or whether that's operation project management, if you put all the energy into being defined at really good at those parts of your life in your career, and again, remember, no one gives a crap where you played, especially if they never did it, right? So no one wants to hear the war stories. No one cares. If you're not part of the, the 12 famous college athletes or pro athletes, because that's really all there are. There's about 12 of them that people know of, majority of people know of. If you're not part of that crew, no one cares. And I think you have to focus in on this is your 2.0, right? So be that starter as a sales professional, right? Don't be a fan of the sport. Be a fan of the business of the sport. And, and if you could define yourself, people will slowly start to forget that that's clearly how you identified yourself. So the important thing is, yes, that is your identity when you make that crossover. When you become a, an executive, whether it's in sports or whether it's you'll become known for being really good at that part of that, your career. Then you become a parent, right? And you be try to be, then you become identified as the mom and the dad, right? And then you become an, or you start as a business owner, an entrepreneur, you become known as an entrepreneur or business owner, you know? So it's all natural and it's all good. But I think if you realize like, how do I become the best husband I could be? How could I become the best dad that I could be? I want to be defined that way. As my wife likes to say, there's no more standing ovations for you when you walk through the door, Rob, right? The kids don't care, right? They care less. I don't have anything that, that 
shows anything I did working for the NFL or Disney or as an athlete, pro athlete, nothing is in my house or in my office, nothing. It's all in boxes somewhere. I have no idea. I'm not, it's not that I'm not proud of it, but if you look back too much on it, you know, it's, it's, it's going to hold you back from growing and doing other things that you really want to do. So I think embrace it, but also look forward to being the best that you get. It's so cliche, but it's so true. Sure. And when you think about the community that you surround yourself with, right? Uh, there's a quote from the other day, you know, you're, you're, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time around, right? So when you think about who those five people are, you really start to go, okay, some of them are family. One might be a boss, one might be a coworker, one might be a friend, whatever the case is, right? However your five add up, like, who are you spending your time around, right? Who are they? And uh, what's your community like? And then you go, you know, you go outside of that, you go, okay, who's the larger community? Who am I surrounded by? What's my support system? What's my network look like? And if you don't have that from the start, right? And you, and someone goes, well, where do I start? 5% club could be a good way, right? Um, but that start is a huge component of like, where do you go, right? What do you, where, where do you start to find a network? Where do you start to find friends, colleagues in the, in the area, find a community to your point, having the people that were on your team, they were there. They, they weren't going anywhere. Right. You may, you maybe uh, had a coach here or there, you know, depart or can come and go. But when you think about finding that community in the business world, in the professional world, that's, you know, not everybody at work wants to hang out afterwards. Right. So, uh, how, how do you figure out what to do and, and how, and how to go about that? I call it your, um, life advisory board, you know? So it's something I've used for, I don't know, 20 years, just like, man, I, there's, there's an advisory board when you own a business, right. And, or when you're in an association or whatever, a nonprofit, but you have to have your own advisory board you know, your own personal advisory board. And that's typically someone who's your cheerleader, which is usually your parents or a brother or sister or somebody that you're a roommate, someone that's just going to cheer you on. Like you could do this, you know, just positivity. Someone that makes you extremely uncomfortable. Like that one person that you know, that's going to give you the truth bombs, <laughs> right? Like, dude, you got to lose some weight or, you know, or like stop saying that in front of people right? Or you need to dress better, or you need to get yourself in shape, something, someone who's going to be the truth bomb to you. And, and you know who that person is. Um, you definitely need somebody who's been in the industry that you're into right now, or an industry you're looking to go into. So whether if you want to be in sports, who is that that you know, you know, that you meet on LinkedIn, or that you've known somewhere that you could, and I'm talking about every single day, but periodically, Hey, I got to ask you a question or a favor. Could you introduce me to somebody? Um, somebody that's um, somebody that's going to be there for you to help you lay out your strategy. You know um, that day-to-day -day strategy or that week strategy, um, and someone that may be a business partner with you or someone that's really, really on your side. More importantly than than anything else, and. And the last one is someone that your, your last advisor is someone 
that you're um, that you're really connected to in your life. So that's your wife, your husband, and your partner, boyfriend, or girlfriend. Like you need them to buy into what your vision is in your life. And you need them to be a part of that. And if they're not a part of it, they're never going to be emotionally connected to the highs and lows of it. Um, they're never going to be there to really support you when you need it the most. They're kind of a combination of all of the five too. You know, They're going to be your cheerleader. They're going to be your truth bomb. right? They're going to make you uncomfortable. But what I found in my life with my wife of 32 years, you know, we, through the, all the moves we made, um, the startups that we've had together, I started two businesses with her. And she was there from day one with me. She was my college sweetheart as well. We've been together for 35 years and married for 32. So she's 100%. I, I knew from day one, I needed her involved in every business that I had. She didn't need to hear all the bad stuff all the time because it's just that's you don't need to share all of that. The drama and, you know, who do, who do you like? You don't need to get into that. But the, the basic fundamentals, your vision of your career and your business need to make sure that that's your life um, life advisor too is, is your spouse or your loved one. So there you have it. Love it. That's uh, your life advisory board, the five yeah. most five people you spend the most time around. Um, Rob, as we start to wrap up the episode, you know I want I want to ask you how you went through your career and used some of the transitional skills, transferable skills and experiences that you had as a student athlete uh, into you know, your career and your journey as a whole. What were maybe the, I don't call it two or three skills uh, that you felt transferred the most and that you were able to take the entire way through, not just something that helped you in your first job? Well, I was that, kid that always had a chip on his shoulder because I was a prop 48 kid coming out of high school. So I have dyslexia and I went to an urban school that, um, you know, I was one of the one kids that didn't cause any problems. So they kind of slid me through school with a 1.2 grade point average and a 620 of my SATs. And um, I, I couldn't get through academically. And, and then I, settled for a college that was in my hometown. It was the last, I wanted to leave so bad. I, I just wanted to, I have pirate blood in me. I just wanted to set sail. And what it taught me is when I went there and after the first year, I wanted to transfer so bad. I was like, I'm out. And, and I started, but I wanted to transfer. I'm like, I want to play at a different level. I don't want to play division two. I was supposed, you know, Naval Academy was the school that recruited me the hardest and that I wanted to go to, just couldn't get the appointment in. My parents were, didn't go to college. So I was first generation college student. But what I learned about that, my father said to me, they're the only ones, remember this, they're the only ones that came and offered you an opportunity. They're the only ones, don't turn your back on. My dad's just a blue collar guy. And he said, don't bite the hand of Fedja on this one. And I stuck it out. And we ended up having a, just a great, great career there. And I made it to the NFL. And I met my wife there 30 something years. And that was the greatest lesson in life. Right? So sometimes the opportunity may not be exactly what you think it's going to be. It may not be the place that you want to go work right away. But it's the one that wants you the most. And the place that's going to give you the opportunity and don't start looking around because it's not cool enough after the first four months, right? 
just be loyal to them and stick it out and you make it the best that you can you could do i took every advantage of that the opportunity and i didn't know i had dyslexia until i got to college and then and i had a math teacher um discover it it's it crazy right and she helped me understand what dyslexia is control it and and really and i graduated at 3.5 and off i went to work for the nfl and the walt disney company and retired from them and and so the rest is history but the life lesson it learned for me wasn't about playing it was more about me my understanding myself and understanding um self-awareness really because what you what what you lack maybe an iq with um with dyslexia and I know people throw around EQ a lot, but it's it's into it's really intuition or street smarts, what they used to call it when I was growing up. That's what I have um, a plus plus plus, and that's what I hinge my career on is is being able to uh, it, it's EQ, being able to read people and uh, being able to understand kind of that intuition, you know, and so having that intuition. So that to me was my learning. And if it doesn't look good in the beginning, stick with it and make it the best situation you can. So instead of transferring and who knows what would have happened, everything worked out for the best. So, you know, it's a lesson I teach. Uh, I try to tell a lot of people, especially my own four children. So. Well, nowadays you have more options than options. I mean, yeah. you, you could transfer, you could transfer twice, you could transfer three times, four times, five times, whatever, whatever it ends up being. And you get into the working world and hey, if you know, look, I, I've hopped around from from place to place, right? Like one's in a location you don't want to be in or one's, you know, you've grown out of the role or you decide you want to do something else or a different, whatever it might be. When you think about the lesson though of, hey, stick it out, you knew that you had four years and then there was an expiration date on that. You get into the working world, there's no expiration date. You just... You're just going. So what's the what's the mindset change there to the similar lesson that's applied of hey, stick with it, go with it. But when do you when do you have to have that self-awareness of like, mm, might be a time to change? I think when you feel like that your upward mobility and you're not learning anything is a time to change, right? It's hard to go in as a kind of a mid-level manager and become a VP anywhere, right? You got to, sometimes you got to hop to get that done. It's, it's kind of like people take you more serious when you're not working at that, at that job. You know, they look at you differently than when you work there. It's just like working in higher ed. I, I don't speak, I don't get asked to speak to any sport management classes or anything. And I'm like, I'm sitting right here, you know, they'll bring in everybody from the outside. I'm like, what do you need anything? I, I'm happy to, I don't know. And that's just how the mentality of people, right? And so I think the one thing that I look back, and I didn't plan it this way, Jake. I just, when I started getting bored of doing one thing at the NFL, I, I felt like I was getting, I was kind of that youth fan development guy, right? I was putting on a lot of youth events and and it was a, it was a good run for a decade, but I wanted to run a team. So I knew I had to stretch. So I could have stayed at the NFL for probably another 15, 20 years, but I wanted to do something different. And I wanted to be a GM of the team. So I had to jump out into the arena league, you know, to, to get my own, you know, I didn't know how to 
sell sponsorship at that time. I didn't know how to sell tickets. I didn't, I, I, you know, I just, well, I thought I was going there just to run a team. You know, the business side of it was really, really new for me. And then the media side of it. So, and then I went into the media business after that with the Walt Disney company. So I, to me, I try to change positions, you know? So instead of when I typically, what I learned from that was when I went from college athlete to, to the NFL, I changed positions because I wanted a different challenge. You know, I went from a, a guard tackle to a center and I went in as a center because I thought I had a better chance of playing. Right. And I think that for you and anybody else in the industry, I think you have to change positions and, and not, not like, like go from marketing to sales, right. Go from sales to operations. Right. And I, I think that's a good way to, to diversify your skill set, and then just, just don't sell tickets your whole career, right? Not that it's a bad thing because everybody needs ticket sales, but try hospitality, corporate partnerships, get on the media side. By the time you hit 40, 45, you've done everything, right? And you, you're well-rounded enough and versed enough that you, become a, you, you have more value to a team now. Then you can choose and pick where you want to go or operate a business on your own, you know? So anyways, that's what I would say. Well, the, the common, the common saying of, well, how do I get experience if I don't have experience? Right. That's the common question that's sometimes asked by student athletes who maybe they, they finished their time playing, but they haven't been able to get an internship or whatever the case is. How do I get the experience if I don't have experience? And so if you're, say you're in sales, but you want to transfer to marketing, you don't have marketing experience. How do you go about that? How do you storytell and position yourself so that you can get a role like that? Uh, what are some of the things that you would advise people on how to get experience without experience? 100% do exactly what we're doing here. Do a podcast, right? Do a podcast because that's the core essence of what sports and entertainment is. We're creating content. A game is content. We're learning how to distribute content, which is YouTube and everything, right? Then we're learning how to monetize content through sponsorships and ad placements. Um, and then we're going to do the analytics on it. We want to see how many people look, watched, and how long did they watch for, right? What's the CPMs on it that we could turn around and sell this for so we understand the data piece of it. Um, and then the editing. You know, the graphic design, that's marketing 101. <laughs> this is it. And, you know, you're up at 630 in the morning to do it before you get your day started. Right. Because this is how bad you want. it. You want to yeah. diversify, you know. So whether you're broadcasting a game or you're broadcasting a podcast, there's just a lot of zeros that are different. But it's the same blocking and tackling technique. So what you've done with your podcast show, which is, I don't know, 600, 500, 400, 400, 400 plus episodes. Yeah. Right. So, you know, you're, you're kind of, you know, you, you've created how many seasons now of this, you understand, and you have a portfolio of what you've been able to do and establish, and you know how many people have watched over the 400 and something episodes. So you've created an audience that now you can monetize in other ways at some point. Right. And that's the essence of sports and entertainment. You've created a brand for yourself and all you had to do is get up early right? Put it together, spend a little time editing and press go. And there you have it. So it's not 25 years ago 
where this is, you can't do this anymore. For you, for you to kind of cross navigate your skill set, podcasting, what I tell our student athletes all the time, start a podcast, start a podcast, start a podcast, start a podcast in, in something that you really love to talk about, whether that's food or music or concerts or fashion, it doesn't matter. Right. Or you want to, you want to be, can't the, stop. you can't you stop can't. the you amount gotta, of, there's a stat out there and I, and I don't know the exact numbers, but it's like some stupid high percentage of podcasts that start, but don't go past 20 episodes or 10 episodes, something like that. Right. Like that people start and they just, they just don't continue. Right. And so when you think about it, it's, it's, I don't, I don't say it as a, it's not a marathon. It's a triathlon. Right. Or is it the, or is it the cathode? Right. Like there's just, you're just playing the long game. There's so much you can learn from people. And the more you build, the more you build an audience, the more you just slowly organically grow. Uh, you know that. And it's just, it's incredible to see what happens when you just keep going. Right. I, mean, I think it's truly a lesson that you learn from sports, from anything being a college athlete as well. Right. It's just, just keep going, keep lifting, keep keep practicing, whatever the case might be. Um, good things happen, and and if they don't, just pivot, right? Like like there's nothing wrong with something. It just doesn't work out, and that's okay. Just pivot. Um, Rob, rapid fire. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right, sport that you would have wanted to play in college. Otherwise, golf. Ooh. Yeah. If you could play golf with only one club, get a one club it, what club are you taking? Four hybrid. Four hybrid. Can you putt with that? That can that can work on the green? Okay. Yeah. It's fair. I've I've we've I've done it. So it's like, oh God, I found my club. <laughs> <laughs> Do you shoot better with the one club or all the clubs? <laughs> I I my five irons probably my my favorite club. Yeah. But there you but, go. There you yeah. go. Um sport that you think has the most potential to grow man i you know my first my first reaction was um was uh pickleball but i think that's more of a recreational sport i don't think it's going to transfer translate well into into media um i f1 f1 in the united states i just think after watching a netflix special i'm like this thing is great yeah. Cricket, maybe. I don't think there's okay. enough. I, it's too boring. It's too boring. Yeah. F one. All right. Watch watch out for F one. Yeah. Um, if there's one book that you would suggest to those student athletes out there that you've read in the past, what would it be? Shoe Dog. Shoe Dog is great. Yeah. Phil Knight's book, Shoe Dog. It reads like a novel. It's fantastic. Outside of the 5% Club, Life in the Front Office podcast, what other podcasts would you suggest to those student athletes? I like Tony Robbins. I do. I just, because I, he was like the first guru I ever latched onto in my early 20s because he's been around for that long. Yeah. And I always really appreciate his approach. Um, I like Gary Vanderchuk too. I like Gary a lot. I think Gary, I think Gary resonates well with 20-year-olds. Yeah, definitely. All right, last one for you. If you could go anywhere in the world, where would it be? Definitely back to, I've been there twice and I, bucket list, definitely want to go back to uh, Tokyo. Ooh. Yeah. You have a favorite food there? Uh, I, lo I love Japanese food. Um, 
Uh, man, the um, uh, any type of sushi over there is just incredible. Yeah, yeah, love it. Yeah, Rob, really appreciate your time, your journey, uh, you sharing your insights and wisdom along the way. Uh, again, check out the Five Percent Club, Rob Thompson. Really appreciate it. And uh, if you're part of the Five Percent Club, make sure to be a part of it. Absolutely, join up because we earned it. <laughs> Thanks for tuning into today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Remember to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe and follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at Life in the Front Office. And don't forget to get your 15% off Suja at sujaorganic.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And stay tuned for next Monday's episode with a new guest and new content.